Hi, and welcome to Elevate Potential. I'm so glad that you're here. This is a podcast that is designed to help you escape patterns, embrace passion, and elevate potential. My name is Elizabeth Perry, and as a lifelong student of psychology, personal development, and human potential, as well as a transpersonal life and leadership coach, I will be your guide as together we learn from others who are on this journey. Let's dive in. The tools that I had to figure out the problems that I have right now aren't going to work for these new problems because nobody in my family has experienced these new problems or nobody in my immediate circle, nobody in the room that I'm in at this temperature has experienced those problems before. Hello, my name is Annette, and today we are talking about how to break free from patterns of self-sabotage in order to live a free and abundant life. This includes the things that we do that get in our own way and how to stop doing those things. All right, Elizabeth, let us jump in. There are some words that we use in this episode that are going to be helpful in describing this self-sabotage. Um, and I'd love to start with one that comes from the book, The Big Leap, that you and I use quite often. And I'd love if you can describe what this is. Uh, we call it the upper limit problem. Yes. When I first learned about this, I was pretty amazed because... I realized how much it had affected me all throughout my life. And then I started to also notice how it was affecting other people. And it really is not personal to me. Everybody really faces this upper limit problem. And so the way that I describe it is we have a certain level of abundance and happiness and wealth and joy and goodness in our lives that we're comfortable with. And it almost creates this like ceiling for our level of enjoyment that we could experience in life and level of happiness, um, level of abundance. And when I talk about abundance, I'm meaning creativity, love, and wealth. And, you know, wealth, it can be many different things that can be our health, that can be our finances, that could be our relationships. And so when I say abundance, I mean, creativity, love, and wealth. And so we all have this like threshold that we're comfortable with. And oftentimes this is set when we're growing up. An upper limit problem is the idea that when we go past this threshold that we're used to, that we've had growing up, that we've had thus far in our life, we start to feel uncomfortable because this is change inherently, like this is something different than what we're used to. And that discomfort leads us to sabotage our own happiness, our own success, our own relationships so that we can get back to the threshold that we're comfortable with. And when I first learned about this, I thought it was just like really eye-opening because I noticed how many times I had done this myself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And to be clear, we all do this ourselves. We all do this. <laughs> it isn't, yeah, it isn't a, a singular issue. It's something we all do in, in different ways. And I, lo I love how you describe it. I wanted to offer also the description they have in the book, because when I, I think I was listening to the audiobook. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense to me. When you talk about that, that limit or that threshold, they gave the imagery of a thermostat. 
Mm. And when we're younger, we set this thermostat of how, what comfort is like for me, that's 72, like that's comfortable, but to get beyond that thermostat, to get above and have that abundance, we start to get uncomfortable because that's not what we're used to is above that level of our thermostat. So then that's when we bring in the self-sabotage and we start doing things to bring us back to that comfort of feeling less than great because that's what we're used to. Yeah, there could be one area of your life that's burning up a lot of abundance, like you're feeling a lot of love and connection there. And so in order to balance out the thermostat, you might like, let's say you just got a new promotion and you're making a lot more than you used to make and you're in a job that you really love. Well, you might start self-sabotaging your health or your romantic relationship or your friendships so that you can get back to even. You may not be sabotaging yourself at work, but you might look at a different area of your life. And I think one of the lies that people tell themselves in order to um, reinforce this behavior is I can't have it all. If I have this amazing job and this new promotion, I have to be putting everything into that. And so I have to start neglecting my relationship. I have to start neglecting my friendships. I have to not take vacation because I, you know, don't think I'm good enough for this job. And so I need to like overwork. And I think that that's just like one example of like how people might like set their thermostat back. They might, you know, look at a different area of their life and try to sabotage that with this idea of I can't have it all. There's no way that I can have all of this happiness in all of my areas of life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the part that maybe doesn't make sense for some people and myself included when I started learning about this is why in the world would I consciously do something to harm myself? Like that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. But I think maybe part of it is that it's not so much a conscious thing that we're doing. It's something that we have to kind of recognize in hindsight that we're doing these things that are harmful and maybe not entirely understanding why or where they're coming from. Yeah. Can you maybe give some examples of the ways that we might be self-sabotaging and not really realizing it? Yeah. Well, I think that one of the questions in the book that really brought to life this for me is the question of, do you want to feel happy and abundant at all times? Do you want to feel fully joyful, creative, and abundant at all times? And Mm -hmm. I feel like our initial answer is like, yeah, of course I do. But then when you really think about it, is that answer truly yes? And I think that that's like a really great place to start in terms of, are you truly and honestly answering yes to that? I know for me, I'm not there yet where the answer is yes. I like listening to sad music. Um, (laughs) I enjoy crying. And I I do think that it doesn't mean that you're never sad, like living an abundant Mm -hmm. life. It doesn't mean that you're never sad. Instead, it means that like you allow yourself to feel abundant and to feel joyful and to feel expanded in all emotions. So even in sadness, you allow yourself to enjoy that. You allow yourself to feel it. You allow yourself to cry. You buy yourself brownies. You like really nurture those feelings and like nurture where you're at at that time so that 
you don't even see it as a negative thing. You see it as, wow, like I'm sad right now. That's amazing. I get to lay in bed and cry and listen to sad music and eat brownies. And I actually enjoy this. So it's less of trying to resist different mind states and more so embracing all of them as something that's adding to your experience and you feel and not resist, not resisting. In terms of ways that we self-sabotage, I think it's the ways of which we resist. For instance, like I had gotten moved into marketing during the pandemic and I've always wanted to be in marketing. I always wanted a creative job. I was super excited about this change. I was still going to be making really good money, which was something that I didn't believe was possible going from sales to marketing. And I started to feel intense imposter syndrome, like, oh, well, I'm not good enough for this. And so I started to overwork and neglect other areas of my life. Obviously, earlier, I was giving a very personal example. And I think that that's one way that I have self-sabotaged in the past. I think another way that's really subtle and, and a little less easy to pick out is For instance, when my mom and my grandma come to visit me in LA, immediately when they get there, I start thinking, I'm so sad that they're going to have to leave in five days or three days. It's almost like I don't even allow myself to enjoy the happiness of them being there because I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop Mm -hmm. and them leaving. And what's true is that in all moments, we have a reason to feel abundant and expanded, and we have a reason to feel scarcity and fear. And it's all about like, what are you choosing? Am I choosing to be joyful that they're here and soak in this moment with them and then joyful when they leave so that I can get alone time and rest and decompress? Or am I choosing to be anxious because they have to leave and then sad because they're gone. And I feel like that is, that is self-sabotage. That is waiting for the other shoe to drop and not allowing yourself to enjoy things when they're here because, oh, well, what about when they're gone? Mm -hmm. So for you is a big part of it. The the mindset and the thought process that is behind kind of the emotions. Mm. Say more about that. Because you described this example of when your mom and your grandma come to visit and it's kind of you're you're feeling anxious about them leaving. And so then you have a thought process about, okay, well, if they're leaving, then I'm going to be sad now. So kind of almost giving yourself control over how you're feeling because you're now able to acknowledge that you don't have to feel anxious or or welcoming that anxiety and saying, okay, so this is how I feel. Now, how do I get to choose to move forward so that I'm not having these two negative moments of like missing out on the experience and missing out on them leaving and and feeling both of them fully and feeling good about those emotions? Mm. Well, I think what you said it that I really resonate with is the feeling of needing to control it. And if we use that temperature example, it's like, we're setting the gauge, like we have to be in control. And when things are changing and when we're growing and when we're expanding, we may not feel in control because it's not comfortable. It's uncomfortable and it's uncertain. Maybe you've never felt this amount of happiness before. Obviously I've felt the happiness of my mom and grandma visiting before, but 
getting a job in a field that I love where I get to be creative and I'm making the money I wanted to make, that's something that I didn't believe was possible. And so there's a lot of uncertainty in that. And that need for control comes in because you want to control your variables. You want to control how you're feeling. And the example of my mom and grandma, it's like, I want to control how I'm feeling and I'm resisting these feelings that could potentially happen that I don't even know are going to happen, you know? And I think the key truly is surrendering, surrendering to the moment, surrendering to what you're feeling in the moment and let go the need for control because it was the need for control that was causing the anxiety. But if I'm able to just breathe and let that go and take a second to process, it really does require those moments of breathing and being like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. I'm going to let that go. I'm going to steer the wheel of my mind where I want it to go, which is I want to enjoy this time with my mom and my grandma, which is I love this job and I'm good at it. And I'm going to lean into that. And because I love this job, because it's in my zone of genius, which we'll talk about, it's not as effortful for me. And sure, that's scary because I'm used to working a job that I hate and hitting my head against the wall every day versus working a job that I love where it doesn't take me as long to get stuff done because I am joyfully living in this moment and that's new for me and that's okay. That means, sure, I could watch an episode TV at the end of the day and I don't have to feel bad about it. That was kind of like a long rambling, but I hope that there was something (laughs) in there. No, there was, especially the last part that you kind of mentioned because you talked about how it's about having less control, but also like steering yourself in the direction of being able to enjoy the emotions that you're feeling in that moment. So it's almost like taking some control back in order to allow yourself the freedom to not feel like you have to be in control of all of it and all of the experience. And as you were talking, it's so funny. I thought of a uh, a song that I wrote in like middle school where the lines were like, why is it fair that things are growing great for me when someone else's life is torn? And like the whole song was really about this of like, how do I get to feel these good feelings, but not feel guilty for the, these other things that maybe aren't going well for someone else or the things that aren't necessarily perfect, but finding that ability to find the, the joy that we really do deserve and not feeling like we don't deserve that joy. And that's, I think where the thermostat comes in of feeling like, Oh, I don't, I don't deserve this. I don't get to enjoy this because this isn't what I'm used to. So I'd love to hear if there's maybe some other examples of how do we learn to overcome these, these patterns that we have that are really holding us back. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you said was letting go of control, but kind of focusing on the control that you do have. And the way that I see that is the only thing that we truly have control over is right here, right now, this very minute that we have is this, this moment. And I've been really doing some recovery work lately, going to Al-Anon meetings. And one of the things that we recite there at the end of every meeting is the serenity prayer. And that's God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And for me, that gives me a lot of peace because there are things that I can control that I am in control of, and that's this moment. And so when I'm thinking, oh, I I don't deserve this job. I'm not good enough for this job. Well, that is all made up 
But the only thing that I do have control over is like right now, well, I could just do the job. (laughs) I might be sad when they leave. Well, that could happen. I could just enjoy them right now. I love that line that you said from the song because it really speaks to one of the four ways that we self-sabotage ourselves, which one is feeling almost guilty because we're outshining somebody else or we might make somebody else feel bad or I don't deserve this because somebody else doesn't have it and can't have it. And that's one of the four ways that we self-sabotage ourselves in the sense of allowing our guilt that other people don't have this hold us back from having it right now, which really doesn't serve them and doesn't serve us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the part where we think we're doing something that is is helpful to someone someone else. If I hold back my joy, then someone else gets to have it. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. That joy isn't transferable. Yeah, Um, it's, it's, and in the book, they call it like the crime of outshining, like the crime of outshining somebody else. mm -hmm. And I think what's really true is that when we're shining really bright, just like any other light, that brightness shines on other people. And they are able to be like, wow, like, She's shining shining so bright. I can shine that bright. Instead of thinking that we're outshining them, our light brings light on them and into their life and into their hearts and out of them as well. Absolutely. The the part about shining, I think also makes me think of the poem by Miriam Williamson. Oh, yes. Our fear is not that we are inadequate. It is that we are powerful beyond all measure. It's also a quote from a basketball movie. I'm pretty sure (laughs) some people might have heard it there. Uh, But that's exactly what that is. It's this fear of our greatness. Uh, And you touched on one of the the four fears, I believe, from the book, The Big Leap. Do you want to dive into the other three and how they might show up in our lives. Yes. And I love that Marianne Williamson quote. Another section of it is, as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. That whole poem, I feel like, is so quotable for this moment. And so I just am so grateful for you bringing that up. What was the question again? (laughs) No, before we go into that question, I love that you read that part too. I actually got chills as you read it because I feel like that is such a core of self-sabotage is not allowing ourselves to be our greatest, to shine our brightest, to to do these things that we're really meant to do. And one of the, the quotes actually from this book too is that our purpose in life isn't to have a perfect life or have it all figured out. It's to share our gifts. Mm. And if we're not allowing ourselves to share our gifts because of these fears, because of this self-sabotage, then we're not allowing ourselves to live a full life. Mm, Yes. And one of the things that that brings up for me is that, you know, I think one of the reasons why people are afraid to shine or people are afraid to step into the spotlight is because 
they, I mean, even the book shares that one of the reasons is that we feel like we're fundamentally flawed. We feel like we're not good enough. We feel like we have all these imperfections. I can't be doing a podcast. I say filler words too much, or I, you know, (laughs) am not an expert or Mm -hmm. I'm not perfect. I haven't overcame all these patterns, which just for everyone listening, I have not. No one has. Nobody has. No one has. But what is so true is that it is our imperfections, like those are our gifts. And that's one of the things that I'm working on. Again, I'm going to be bringing this up a bit, probably for like ever now in Al-Anon is, you know, yes, there are some patterns that were developed when we were younger and to the extreme, those patterns can be really maladaptive, but if we're able to be aware of them and be conscious of them, they can be used for good. One of my patterns is codependency and what that brings forth is mothering and caretaking of other people. And you can do that to somebody's detriment, but Showing love to other people, showing compassion for other people, having empathy and understanding for what other people are going through, that's a superpower. That's a leadership superpower. Yes, when you do it to your own detriment or to your own self-abandonment, that is obviously not something that is going to be helpful for you or for somebody else. But it is our imperfections. It is the things that were born out of our trauma that are our superpowers. Trauma causes both post-traumatic stress, which is a negative aspect, and post-traumatic growth. And so when we lean into that growth side, when we're able to be conscious of staying within the mean, that is when we're able to like truly let ourselves shine And I think that comes from embracing ourselves, accepting ourselves, being present in the moment because we're not constantly trying to resist who we are, what we're experiencing, what we're feeling. And that just leads to unconscious living, which then takes everything too far because we're just completely out of control of the moment because we're trying to control moments in the future and moments in the past of which we have no control of, which literally drives you insane. Yeah, (laughs) it does. And we don't want to be doing that to ourselves forever. I love that you also mentioned that this is something that we're all working on and we're all always working on because I think there is sometimes a, a tendency to want to have it figured out. And everything that we learn, everything that we do is an addition, even talking about what you're, what you've been learning with Al-Anon, that's, that's a whole other, I want to acknowledge that that is a whole other two or three, at least episodes of conversation, because what you're learning through this experience is something that we can all learn from and all grow from. So I'm, I am excited for those conversations and grateful that you are so willing to share this experience with all of us because it does help us all in our own growth process through your vulnerability and openness to share, which I acknowledge also isn't easy. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you for that. In everything that you said, you did also mention two of the fears from the big leap. Mm-hmm. So I'd love if we can go over the four of them just to share kind of some things that we can be mindful of. Yes. So we already covered feeling like you're fundamentally flawed. The other was the crime about shining. 
feeling as if you shine so bright, you're going to outshine other people and you care about other people. So you don't want to hurt them. The other two are disloyalty and abandonment. And so what that really means is thinking that if we shine bright, if we go past this level of abundance that we're used to, we're going to be disloyal to our roots and abandon the people that we care about. Oftentimes Mm -hmm. our thermostat is set at the same temperature as our friends and our family, because those people are also comfortable at the same temperature. And that's why we're all in the same, you know, metaphorical room together. (laughs) I love it. And when you start to surpass that level of abundance, you might lose friends. Like you might lose family members. Like that is very true, but not the ones who truly care about you, not the ones who are really for you. And the reason the reason why that the, those fears come up, I think, is partly because it is true. Because when someone sees another person living outside of that threshold that they're comfortable with, it threatens their own ability to stay at that threshold. You see them going outside the room and you're like, wait, we can do that? Can I do that? No, I can't do that. You shouldn't be doing that. That's not safe. And it's out of genuine care that people want to keep you in the room. But doing so helps you and it has the potential to help them as well and to inspire them. And they get to choose whether or not they're going to be inspired or threatened by you stepping out of the room but you are giving the option for them to be inspired. And that, I think that that for me is something that I've chosen to focus on coming from a very small town, being the first in my family to go to, go to college and graduate college, being the first in my family to move to a major city like LA. That was all really scary. And I did feel at times like I was abandoning my roots. But two of my brothers also moved out to LA. Many of my brothers have said that that has inspired them and they can choose to be inspired or threatened. And that's their choice. I'm giving them one of the choices is to be inspired. And I think that for a long time that held me back because I was like, I feel so different than the people that I grew up with or, you know, even people in my family. Like I'm the only person in tech. But the truth is, is that It doesn't hurt them in any way for me to be experiencing this. Instead, if only, it lets them know that they can accomplish their dreams too, whatever that is. It may not be to move to LA. It may not be to be in tech. It may be to start a candle business out of their home. But when you step into your dreams, more often than not, it inspires other people to do the same. Absolutely. And there's something you said at the beginning there too, that we might lose friends, we might lose relationships with family members. And I I wanted to add to that. Sometimes we don't lose them, but they change. Mm. And that change can feel like a loss. And that change can feel uncomfortable. And acknowledging that relationships change as we grow, and they're going to be different. And that's okay, I think is also part of that, that process of, of acknowledging that And yes, some people we will lose in our lives too. And being okay with that and being a little bit hurt is okay too. Um, But relationships aren't going to always be the same as we grow because we grow in different ways at different paces. And we need different things from different people at these points of our lives. 
Yeah. And I feel like that's attachment and that is trying to control the future and the past versus just being present in the moment and knowing, Hey, like this just isn't good anymore. One of the ways that I feel like I'm upper limiting myself right now is I've started seeing somebody and I really, really like this person. And if you've listened to any of the attachment episodes, I don't know, maybe that helped, (laughs) but (laughs) we have a really great connection and it's very mutual and there's fear that comes up around what if it doesn't last forever? What if at some point it ends? And The truth is, is that if it's not good for me or for him, or, you know, we don't, we don't, we're not in it anymore. I hope it does end, right? I wouldn't want to keep somebody in something that they don't want to be in. I don't want to be in something I don't want to be in. And it's all of this anxiety about the future, trying to sabotage this love feeling, this happiness that I have right now because of a fear about the future. And I think that's because... It's taking me beyond my thresholds. And there's been many times where that has happened in the past year or two since I've learned about this topic, since I've read, since I read this book, my coach recommended it to me at the start of the pandemic. And ever since then, I feel like I have started to push past my threshold. And each time it's uncomfortable. Every single time, it doesn't stop getting less uncomfortable. And right now I'm experiencing that in a very you know, intense way because I have my podcast going, which is amazing. I have my job that I really love. And then now I also have a romantic relationship, which I haven't had in five years. And so it's normal that I'm going to feel this uncomfortability with my threshold moving up. And it's normal to have these anxieties and fears. But the more that I surrender to the moment and just be like, you know what, let's just enjoy this while it's here and trust that it's going to last as long as it needs to last. And so I don't have Mm -hmm. to overindulge in it. And I also don't have to pull away from it. Instead, I can just feel secure in the moment. And it's honestly been helping me a lot with my attachment too, is just like surrendering to the moment and being like, all I have control of is right now. I feel like it's a good example right here in the moment of how I'm self-sabotaging and also how I'm aware of it and working to overcome it so that I can get to this next level of truly having it all. Yeah, I love the last part that you said. Acknowledging it doesn't mean that you have have it figured out, but it means that you're aware of it and able to to work on making that change for yourself and for improvement. I think that so far we've covered three of the four. Yeah, we have one more, right? Okay, what's the last one? Because then okay. I have one more question to close this out. Okay, the last one is believing that more success brings a bigger burden. I think the new job is a great example. Like when you become a director of a company, I think one of the things that I have a fear about is as I move up in the ladder, it's going to be more work or it's going to be like more stressful. And that is going to be too much, right? The responsibility of that, or even should I start my own business? The responsibility of that is going to be too much. And so believing that more success brings more responsibility that you're not going to be able to handle. That's one of the ways that we self-sabotage ourselves. I think that one reminds me of a quote from Grant Cardone. Actually, he says more, more money, more problems, but I want those kinds of problems. (laughs) Mm. which is true if we're having more success we might not know what that world 
looks like if it's not something we've experienced before, but I want to have those problems and changing that, that framework of I'm scared of these unknown problems that I'm going to have to, I want those problems because that means that I'm growing and I'm improving and I'm learning is, is I think a helpful perspective to have, because it's definitely something that I've dealt with in feeling like that my trajectory is so unknown because I don't know anyone who's done what I'm doing in my, in my immediate family. Mm -hmm. So how do I position myself for success when I don't really know what that looks like? I mean, part of it's expanders, which is a conversation we've had. There's all these different pieces. Um, But the last piece that I really want us to, to share, and maybe this is going to be a whole other episode at some time too, because I feel like it is a big conversation is something you talked about earlier with the zone of genius. Mm. Can you talk about what that is? Yeah, I do feel like it's a whole new episode. I also want to touch on just one thing that you said before I dive into that. And that's, I felt that too, in the sense of the tools that I had to figure out the problems that I have right now aren't going to work for these new problems because nobody Mm -hmm. in my family has experienced these new problems or nobody in my immediate circle, nobody in the room that I'm in at this temperature has experienced those problems before. And yeah, I just think that what you said about like expanders and mentors that have faced these problems might be a good way to overcome that one way of self-sabotaging of like, well, let me figure out, let me talk to somebody who is experiencing these problems. Let me see, you know, do they got stuff that I don't got or are we the same? Because usually I think we find out that like, we're kind of the same at our core. In terms of the zone of genius, I do think it's a whole nother episode, but to tease that a little bit, there's a lot of different zones that we have. Like we have our zone of competency, the things that we're good at and we can do, but it doesn't necessarily bring us joy and fulfillment. We don't go into our flow state when we're doing these tasks. We just, we can do them. We're capable. And so in contrast, our zone of genius is a place where we lose track of space and time when we're engaging in this activity. So like for me, one of those things is podcasting, like having conversations with people about psychology and personal development and spirituality. I lose all track of space and time. That's why most of our episodes, it's not consistent at 30 minutes because (laughs) I could ramble forever on these topics and never get tired or bored. And at the end of it, I don't feel drained. I feel energized. I feel like alive. That is what your zone of genius feels like. It's where Mm -hmm. your passion meets your purpose meets your energy truly and meets your skill set i think that there's another like metaphor for this and that's the japanese um ikagi where it's like how you want to serve the world what you're good at what the world needs like what breaks your heart how all of these different aspects of life overlap into your zone of genius, what you are meant to do in the world based on your past, based on your experiences, based on your skills, based on what you care about. That's your zone of genius. I'm so excited for diving into the zone of genius and a full conversation on how we get there, 
What does it look like? How we can find it if we don't know what it is. So that will be another episode. But as always, are there any book recommendations you would like to share or any any just recommendations you'd like to share? Yeah, well, The Big Leap, obviously. That one, we've been chatting about it this whole um, episode. It's, it's where a lot of these concepts came from. I mean, self-sabotage is a commonly known phenomenon, but I think that The Big Leap Gay Hendricks, he really brings this to life in a way that is really understandable. And he gives so many great metaphors that this book mm-hmm. is a must read. And I would also say, and we may do a different episode on this, but another book that's really helped me in this way is The Untethered Soul. The Untethered Soul is just so beautiful at like allowing you to break free from all of the different ways that you trick yourself into being unhappy. I think that the untethered soul really gives you a lot of tools to escape some of these mental patterns and blocks that keep you from living a fully abundant and present life. And The Big Leap is a great precursor to that book because The Big Leap explains the problem and and the ways of which you engage with this problem and does offer some tools, but I feel like The Untethered Soul is a great tool and provides a lot of great metaphors for how to get out of that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I love the untethered soul as a putting it into practice. Mm -hmm. And as you're talking to, I thought if for anyone who wants to put this into practice, maybe someone who's a journaler, there's a couple of prompts that I thought of from this conversation that might be helpful. The The first one being, where is your thermostat set? Where are kind of those areas of the different parts of your life that you might be upper limiting yourself and what are you setting that thermostat to how much goodness does that feel and the second one being who's in that room with you who's also maybe setting that thermostat and who's outside of that room who are those examples of people that might bring you out of those limits those expanders for you so I want to leave you with those those reflection questions as well. I love those. Thank you so much for sharing those. I may actually go away from this and start journaling about it. So I hope people that are listening engage with that as well. Absolutely. Agreed. Go and journal, go and explore these ideas. And we can't wait to be with you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. As always, any books, links, or resources that were mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes for you to access. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. Or feel free to send us a direct message on Instagram at Elevate Potential Podcast if you would like to be a guest on this show. Finally, please subscribe and download episodes in order to support the community that we are creating of people who are working to elevate their potential together. Until next time.